This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. I said... Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hello. Hey, Mike. Hey. So, this week, we thought we'd get back into the, the original series in, in the best way we know how, which is to talk over an episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a very good episode at that. Yes, um, I, I have issues with the concept, but the episode itself is solid. Okay. But we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. And the episode that we'll be watching is Mirror, Mirror. Yeah. Which is season two, episode four. And which is awesome, awesome. Yes. Yes. We're just going to repeat ourselves, repeat ourselves? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is it loaded up for you, my friend? Uh, yes, just about. I will be watching the Netflix version. And um, I will be watching the um, Blu-ray with the original effects. Excellent. We've switched. This is good. Yeah, yeah. So you can comment on the shiny IAS Enterprise, and I can say, look at the pilot ship. No, I'm watching the original effects. Right, never mind. Okay. I can comment on the thing. Yeah. See, Whatever. it's mirrored. It, it's We've mirrored, become yeah. mirrored. So in the mirror universe, the original effects were CGI, and uh, the the redone special effects were all models and stuff. <laughs> it's confusing. All right, Mike, why don't you get us started? Okay, well, we're starting at zero on the counter, and we'll give a countdown, and we'll start this up in three, two, one, start. And... There, there is thunder. Very strange shot to start this episode where they're all just kind of standing on basically a stage. And there's like a guy who literally has like a stage in the middle of his garden with like a chair on it. Yeah. Why? That That is kind of weird. And he's got purple, purple skies. Mm-hmm. It's thundering and lightning. And he's like... There's no need to take this indoors. No, there's no need to even put up the gazebo roof. Yeah. It's very strange. <laughs> so, kind of an interesting intro to this episode, you know, where it's kind of trying to spotlight the nobility of humans. In that they're like, hey, we want to use these dilithium crystals that you guys have. And they're like, no, we can't. We just don't trust you. We just cannot make that. You know, it's it's kind of like, you know, I, I don't know. Well, it's it's strange. But anyway, um, they're so 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 this obviously is going to mirror what happens later on <laughs> because they're going to show humans as being vicious um uh, tyrants as opposed to what they are here so it's interesting good. having a society that feels that they're above the federation usually we have those societies like the Roganians and stuff are like evolutionarily beyond humans but this is just another human-ish race that that believes in total peace not even for defense they they don't like battling or people using their materials for battle at all. It's just, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's interesting. There's Lieutenant Kyle. He's going to mess things up, as Andy would be quick to point out. That yeah, Lieutenant I never Kyle noticed. Kyle is the worst. I never noticed uh, Lieutenant Kyle's uh, problems until seeing what Andy had to say about him. Because I always just think of him as being random crew member repeated. Yeah. You, you never know. really pay attention to him. Now, this transporter effect here in the Mirror Universe, is that the Mirror Universe transporter effect, or because they went across universes? 
I guess we'll have to see when they beam in at the end of the episode. Because it looks like an evil beaming. Yeah. At the end of the episode, we'll see what it looks like when they beam back into the prime universe. This is a long teaser. Because you'd think that it would end with, you know, like Spock with a beard. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Keeps on going. This is like a JJ teaser. (laughs) I don't know if you watched Alias, but... Sometimes mm-hmm. their teasers would be over 10 minutes long. Jeez. Yeah, it's crazy. Sons of Anarchy is like that sometimes. Yeah. So Spock with a goatee. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really get any better than that, right? Nope. I like that Kirk and the crew are able to play it cool. I mean, that just shows the the discipline of Starfleet officers, but it's like, you could tell that they're kind of like, whoa, whoa, wait, what the hell's going on here? Mm-hmm. And wait a minute, why are Uhura and Scotty there? Okay, Scotty's there because uh, they need dilithium crystals. I guess that makes sense. But why did Uhura beam down with them? Because they needed to give her something to do. Uh, yeah. Maybe she had to translate. Maybe she was working a universal translator when we weren't looking. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it was. So Commander Kyle gets the agonizer. Yeah. He gets a residual glow in my version. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Okay. And now we're into the opening title sequence. Which would be really cool if they were mirror universe title sequence. Kind of like the, uh, what they did for Enterprise. Yeah. They didn't have enough money to finish the effects in the episode, let alone do more ones for the title sequence. Yeah, but for the remastered, they could have. And had Shatner come in and record a new evil voiceover. (laughs) To boldly blow up where no man has gone blown up before. See, I don't think that it would really work here. Because, like, in Enterprise, the reason why it works is because that is an episode which takes place in the Mirror Universe. It's told from the Mirror Universe's perspective, you know. And Mm -hmm. there's, like, these weird intruders you know, who are, like, nice and stuff. But here we're seeing it from uh, the Prime Universe perspective, you know. So because of that, I think I think it makes sense to, to do it the way they did it. Yeah, I'm giving it a hard time. Yeah. Mirror, mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I like what Rossi and them did with the uh, the ISS Enterprise. They, yeah. they took the pilot version of the ship and made it a bit more shiny and changed it so that it said ISS Enterprise on it. That's cool. Does it have the little uh, globe with the sword going through it? I am i didn't look that close. Mm-hmm. It probably does. Instead of the little boomerang that's on the side. I don't know. I'll look next time. But I like... I mean, this is a lot of production work for, you know, just one episode. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got, we paint new signs on the walls. Uh, Everybody gets a new costume. All the extras get new costumes. Different lighting schemes and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess McCoy's is pretty much just his. Yeah, a a lot of the extras and everything are the same, just with like different ornamentation, you know. This is, I guess, the alternate version of Kirk's green wrap. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder why they beamed in, but not their clothes, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's part of the do with the... uh, My problem with this episode is, you know, we've discussed the J.J. verse and where the timelines diverged and, you know, Chekhov is younger than he's supposed to be and that kind of thing. But, I mean, in this one, we've got the same characters in universe that's been different for hundreds of years doing on the exact same mission with the exact same people beamed down, beaming up at the exact same time. But, I mean, I think that's kind of like what this scene is supposed to sort of Uh, take care of you know like when uh, bones comes in and he's like look uh, this stain right here this acid stain i did that like two years ago or whatever you know 
like what what I think that he's saying there, or what they're trying to say is like it is connected in some way. You know, there is like a parallel timeline here, more so than in the JJ sense where it just split off and became something different. Whereas mm-hmm. like these are literally sort of like mirror events, you know, there are, there is a different Kirk and a different Spock and everything like that, but they're all on the same ship. They're both going down to this planet at the same time. They're both beaming at the same time, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, there is like a connection. Why? I don't know, but there is. So, um, that, that to me kind of explains away why this happens. But I like the, uh, you know, I like like the sliders or the sound of thunder kind of, you know, crush a butterfly in the past and then, you know, mankind never evolved. Right. That kind of, you know, wild diversion. It's just weird to have the such a close divergence Well, for something like they're the opposite. You know, they're evil and they're blowing crap up and they're taking what's theirs. And for them to be on the same mission at the same time and not, you know, Uhura... I mean, evil Ahura, I, I want to see more of that. Like, how did she get to be a communications officer? Did she get her mind wiped by a by a sentient robot and she, had to she, learn to read again? She very well could have. Or did that episode happen yet? I'm not sure. I think that might come later, right? Oh. Um, but regardless, I mean, like, I think that's kind of the difference, though, is it's not the, the butterfly effect, you know, or whatever. It's not, which is what uh, is going on in... Is that's what's called the butterfly effect, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what's going on with the JJ verse, right? Which is why you're like, why? Well, how did that happen? Why is that happening again here? That doesn't make any sense. But like here, it's not the butterfly effect. It's like they both exist. There wasn't a divergence. Like they both exist simultaneously, and it's mm-hmm. not like it's, uh, um something changed in the past it's they're linked you know okay i i think i mean that's i mean i don't know if there's a science behind that necessarily but i mean i think that's sort of like the differentiation here sulu's wearing red in in this universe so uh... yeah because he's also the security officer which is weird that Chekhov later becomes security officer. Mm-hmm. But here in this universe, Sulu became security officer and kept his regular job. Uh, maybe in this universe, Chekhov is the captain of the Excelsior. Oh, man. See, that would be too different. And then you can't explain, well, why is Benjamin Sisko on Tarek Nor? You know, if yeah. we can have something wildly different, like Chekhov being in charge of the Excelsior. That's true. I'd have less problem with it if it, like, accidentally grabbed Kirk, Uhura, McCoy, and Scotty from wherever they were. Like, mm-hmm. even if they were in the same system and it just grabbed them from their ship, you know, kind of the boong kind of thing. But the fact that they were beaming up at the exact same time is, yeah. is still weird. But look at all the doors, and they put all the prints on. Yeah. Just for a one-off episode. So I doubt that it saved any money. I mean, this really is kind of a bottle show. They've got a pedestal in the middle of a forest and a lightning machine. Then the rest of the episode takes place on the ship. and But they changed the ship so much that it had to have cost almost as much as any other episode. Uh, yeah, but I mean, they're like kind of like little cosmetic changes. Like, I wonder how much that would cost compared to dragging an entire crew out to a location or, you know, building a new set you know, for something down on the planet, building a whole new set. I never I mean, noticed the, even Captain Kirk's chair has like a higher back on it. Mm-hmm. Makes it look more like a throne. Like it is kind of weird, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, we tend to think of it in terms of like real world scenarios where like if in our house we were to put a giant logo on our door, that would be like a big deal. But like, these are guys that like, literally build sets from scratch on a weekly basis and it's like to them like repainting a door is nothing you know oh yeah i guess so yeah there's even one on the bridge i wonder if those are stickers and can i buy them 
<laughs> I bet Mike Akuda would be the guy to ask about that. And he'd probably yeah. know. He probably has. He probably those has on them. his door. <laughs> yeah. So Kirk here is trying to be a jerk, but he's trying to uh, show. He's trying to show mercy without. Uh, without arousing too much suspicion, but showing any mercy is arousing suspicion. Yeah, he's trying to be a jerk without being genocidal at the same time, which is hard in the mirror universe. Everyone wants you to be all genocidal. Yeah. So. Yeah, and the whole the whole power play thing that comes up later is also interesting. Like the uh, uh, the the whole idea of assassinating your way to the top mm-hmm. like Chekhov is is trying to about to make his move and it's it's yeah because it's just like okay I, I don't see how a military especially since this is supposed to be a military as opposed to the you know peacekeeping forces of the federation how they would get um uh, how they would stay together at all. Like, oh, I want to be Admiral now. So you walk up and shoot the Admiral. Yeah. It, it is kind of weird. I mean, like, at what point are you relieved for grounds of insubordination? Or at what point do, after after Chekhov kills the captain and moves up in rank, what's to stop, say, Spock from saying, like, you know what? I don't trust you, Chekhov. I'm going to kill you. Yeah, which mm-hmm. I guess is is part of the plot why you want to make your move when when it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. When the captain is doing something crazy like this, yeah. So here's one of these weird captain's logs that doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> captain's monologues. <laughs> This is pretty brutal. I mean, that guy just got phased out of existence, you know? Yeah. Oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. It's it's interesting that these security officers... Are they security officers? They're wearing, like, these blue robes? I don't know. But they're his guys. Right? Yeah. Kirk's good dudes. Yeah. And he can just commission people, or at least say he can. Yeah. Not sure why he punched that dude. Yeah. For being too ambitious or something? Maybe he's trying to... Okay, so I've got to be crazy and unpredictable. Yeah. And he just hasn't got the hang of it yet. Mm-hmm. Jim, you can't just go around punching people. Yeah. Oh, sarcasm, Kirk. It's called blood. You think you'd know about it, Bones? He's had a rough day. He's taking it out on his uh, employees. It's yeah. not good. It's not good at all. He's really getting into character. <laughs> Which I, I kind of, I mean, I'm glad that they do stick with the, you know, stick with this crew through most of it. But I do wish there was more of the Mirror Universe crew. Like, did did they even try? Like, did the other crew even try to act normal? I mean, I guess so. But at or the did same... he immediately start ranting, run up to Spock? Where's your beard? Where's your beard? To me, to me, there's nothing better than it's not quite a jump cut. They weren't quite that progressive yet, but it was um, a a very Star Warsy wipe sort of Star Warsy wipe um, where they're like, I wonder if there's a crew just like us on our Enterprise. And then it cuts back <laughs> to him and he's like, you know, I command you to let me go. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like one of my favorite Chatner performances of all time. You know, and it's just like, they're crazy. And it's just like, ah, it's awesome. Love yeah. that. That's what, I mean, Star Trek Continues did do the sequel to this episode, but I wish that they did a short of 
the opposite of this episode Mm -hmm. with evil Kirk trying to play it cool for a few minutes and then just losing his crap. Mm, Maybe that'll be the next episode. (laughs) Mirror, mirror again, again. Yeah, so they they definitely give Scotty and and Uhura a lot to do in this episode because they're really hit them and McCoy and Kirk and I guess Mirror Spock are the main characters. Yeah, yeah. So they're you kind of have to give Uhura something to do. Yeah, it's like four people against a ship. So at least they're the highest ranked people on that ship. Second, mm-hmm. next to Spock. And here, I think this is a nice sort of callback to a show which didn't have much continuity at all at this point, where they say that he rose to command after the assassination of Captain Christopher Pike. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. There's, they knew to, to keep Mirror Pike around and that he'd commanded the Enterprise before. I like it. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Tell I'm going to tell Uhura to create a diversion. Where does she keep her fans? Does Mira Uhura have fans in this universe? Uh, yes. There we go. There was that jump cut. I order you. <laughs> Let me go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but if the same amount of time has passed, he had to have... Okay, so they finally caught Kirk. So I'm guessing that Mirror Kirk may have, like, ran off mm-hmm. and, like, tried to blow up the ship or something, and they finally caught him and threw him in here. Yeah. I love that Spock immediately catches on. He's like, obviously, there's parallel universes, and, you know, I'm going to have to send you back to... Oh, Kirk is wearing the green wrap, so that is... Mirror Kirk's version of the green wrap is the gold wrap. Yeah. Shatter's enjoying the heck out of this. Mm-hmm. As he should be. And I and I love the, <laughs> I, I love I love uh Spock's response here. Apparently well no no no. Was it Wait, is it here where he's like, hey, oh what what is it that will buy you? Yeah. Yeah. And then Spock is like, power? Fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, I can't even believe that someone would think that that would work on me. (laughs) Yeah, they did the the flip. Yeah. They actually, like, flipped the screen like a mirror. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, this is also interesting. Uh, Check it out. His bodyguard, Spock's bodyguard, is a Vulcan. Oh, yeah, look at that. It's crazy. So so it's interesting that you know the Enterprise is one of the you know first inner I mean if you take some of the expanded universe into into consideration the Enterprise is like the first one to have a mixed crew of aliens and humans and Spock is like the first Vulcan in Starfleet but here he's got another one on the Enterprise and he mentions later uh that you know if you kill me people give you revenge and people will ven- avenge me, and some of them are Vulcans. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a there's more than one Vulcan on the, more than two Vulcans on this ship, even. And they, I mean, I guess I wonder if they maybe came along with Spock. You know, like maybe when you're an officer, you can kind of bring on your own people or whatever. I mean, here we have like these two guys talking to each other, and they each have their own individual bodyguards following them, which mm-hmm. is weird, but. You'd think they wouldn't allow that. Well, you know, like the I think that they have to. I think that that's part of the yeah. the empire imperial rules are. You know, you're allowed to have your people with you to make it a fair to make it fair. Because if you didn't have weren't allowed to have bodyguards with you, you'd just get killed, and then everybody'd be dead. Yeah, and there'd be no empire. They're, they've they've got the bodyguards for balance. So I guess that's how. Th- he's able to bring more Vulcans on the ship. Why there's more Vulcans on the ship is because he brings in his own people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spock has Vulcan friends. 
I wonder yeah. if that. I wonder what that guy does in the regular universe. <laughs> and I do love like that line where he's like, "I would remind you that some of them are Vulcans," and it's like they don't expand <laughs> on it. But the person who he's talking to, just you know, I forget who it was. He's just like, "Oh God, yeah, don't want to mess with the Vulcans." Yeah. Yeah, and the uh, imperial salute is uh, very Nazi esque. Mm-hmm. Roman, I believe, is supposed to be. Yeah. Though it's weird, though, because, you know, the Vulcans still seem to be ruled by logic. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. like, I think he says, you know, it's like, you're not that different from our Spock. You know, and he is, he does seem to be the most consistent character between the two universes. So, what is it that makes Vulcans so, maybe they just logically know how to inflict pain. You know, they're Mm -hmm. unemotional about it, but. I imagine that that the fear of the Vulcans comes from uh, mind melds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like getting into your mind and doing pain. Mm Mm-hmm. So here we meet Marlena. Mm-hmm. I don't know where she's been for the last six hours or whatever. Uh, she's just been hanging out here. Yeah. But they were just in his office. I'm glad that they didn't go to Kirk's quarters and start talking about the Mirror Universe stuff. And she's just like, you know, I'm back here, you guys. <laughs> it would have been an interesting uh, twist. <laughs> Not that it doesn't take her too long to figure it out anyway. Yeah. So here we get some exposition as far as like how this universe works and all this stuff. And it's necessary. Yeah. I guess. And it doesn't seem like a, an as you know kind of scene like that cliche of, well, as you well know, let me explain who you are. Mm-hmm. As you know, Mike, you host a you co-host a Star Trek the original series podcast. Yeah. Oh, I do. Yeah, I do. Well, it's it's cool how like in this scene because usually those as you know scenes are are, you know, kind of like, yes, I do know this, you know, sort of thing. But here it really is sort of like he's trying to figure it out just like the audience is. Mm-hmm. So they can write it in a way which is sort of more logically constructed than that, because you can have him sort of trying to pull information out of her subtly mm-hmm. instead of just her needing to give him the information so that we have it. I like the shot of of Spock leaning against the counter mm-hmm. with his Roman dude behind him. Yeah. Just chilling. Just chilled in my in my room. Yep. I wonder if this Kirk and Spock play 3D chess. He's got a, a set in his room. Yeah, I don't know if they play each other, but I'm sure that Spock plays someone. Yeah, because it doesn't seem like Mirror Kirk and Spock are very close friends. Yeah, and I also don't think that Mirror Kirk is really into the 3D chess. Yeah, it doesn't seem his style. He must no. play Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But then I wonder, I mean, this makes me wonder, like, you know, because Kirk, uh, we've established that Kirk has, like, he needs Kirk and, he needs Spock and McCoy in order to, uh, you know, make his command decisions and to balance out his his passions. And I I wonder how Mir Kirk gets along. I mean, he seems to be judged, you know, uh, go goes by his passions. But I wonder if, if he does use Mirror McCoy as like a sounding board or something. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I really should have watched rewatched that Star Trek Continues because they did cover some of that in their Mirror episode. This is kind of a cool thing. I always love the whole, like, you touch one corner and then another corner and there's no buttons or anything and then it just opens up, you know, 
and I don't know if this is the first time that they had that decoration on the wall or whatever, but every time I see it anywhere else in a <laughs> in an episode, I just think, I wonder if there's a, some sort of device behind there. Is or if Kirk walks panel? up to each one and pushes on it. Yeah. Okay, we're safe. I mean, maybe that is their version of a safe, and there's just like a combination. Mm. And maybe it's like the Android lock screen, right? Exactly. You can set it to be random touches, right? So here we see what Spock does when the cameras aren't watching him. <laughs> he sits there with his arms crossed and just stares out into the distance. <laughs> He's in thought. <laughs> Also, the buttons that they have here, it really is just like someone took like a piece of colored glass and stuck it in there. It's not like a button. It's more, it's very sleek. It's, it's more of a touch screen sort of thing, a touch button. Hmm. You know? It's like iPhone technology or something. Finally. <laughs> How does Marlena fit in? I need to refer to myself in the third person more often. <laughs> See, yeah. Kirk, you need to be jerk to her, too. She's not going to catch on to this. Yeah. It pulls out his communicator. Scotty, uh, give me an hour. <laughs> So, Mirror Spock has a goatee, and that's become a thing. You can always tell when someone's in the Mirror Universe because of their goatee. Mm -hmm. But it is sort of like the perfect identifier. At one point, Max and I made a little short movie, and we had a sequence or two which took place in the Mirror Universe. And uh, it wasn't a Star Trek thing, but it was still the same Mirror Universe. So it was 24? Yes, basically. And uh, Max grew a goatee for that thing. <laughs> That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. That's dedication to character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you it's not like everybody has a goatee. No, no. Which, of course, is like the cliche, but I guess you got to look for the Vulcan in the goatee. Yeah. Actually, I think it was my other friend, Josh, who, who grew the goatee, not Max, but whatever. <laughs> Somebody was dedicated. Someone someone grew a goatee. There was a goatee somewhere there. Spock's computer is really flashy. Yeah. Bleep, 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 bleep. And everybody's using communicators. Yeah. I mean, I understand why the the prime crew is using their communicators. Well, maybe on this ship, since no one really wants anyone else to be all up in their business, they use their communicators to make but sure But Spock's not using his communicator on his end, so well, yeah, some he, of the audio he's traffic in quarters, is... though, right? Right. Maybe his computer that he's playing with isn't isn't connected to the ship's computers. Or maybe he is using his communicator. He just has a, a Bluetooth headset. Oh, okay. Yeah. And this Spock still doesn't want command. No. Here we not. go. Here he's threatening Sulu with yeah. some of the, our Vulcans. Ooh. <laughs> he doesn't want to... I mean, like, we see Valeris mm -hmm. get violated like that so i imagine that evil vulcans would do that evilly yeah marlena put on a uh handkerchief that's nice yeah nice silk handkerchief <laughs> it this seems is kind of sad having having a, a ship's you know a captain's woman yeah like, I don't know if that's. I'm glad that the I'm glad that the regular universe captain doesn't have one. I mean, because that would be no, extraordinarily but at the end of the episode, sixty seconds. Get one. <laughs> you know? That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of like 
here to kind of show the more savage side of the mirror universe, you know? Yeah. Even the, even the audience in the sixties would think this is yeah, not right. Right. You know, whenever there's something futuristic, the, um, beds and stuff like that always have sort of like metallic, um, Mm -hmm. space beds. Yeah. It always seems super uncomfortable. It does look like the hard side of Velcro, the hook side. Yeah, which is like, why Why do you have that? Why That doesn't make any sense. But then I guess now we finally caught up, right? I mean, like, what is it? Uh, Columbia, I think, has that, like, thermal thing. Yeah, where, it like, does look like a thermal thing. Inside of all their jackets, they've got, like, the little silvery stuff. And I felt that the other day when I was at the store, and that felt very comfortable. Huh. You know? Well, I'm going to assume these are comfortable, too. They don't look comfortable, though. Yeah. Well, the whole bed doesn't look very comfortable. It's only, you know, four inches thick. It's probably some kind of super space foam that molds to your body and the yeah. the the blanket. You don't need sheets because that one blanket cools and warms you however you desire. Right, and it can be reading your thin. mind, just just like those Columbia jackets, you know, which are like uh, they're super warm, but they're you know paper thin. Right, just like the which episode is that? Is that the one where Sulu's caught on the planet and they've got the uh, the aluminum foil they're wrapping themselves in? Yeah, which I guess that's kind of like a thing, right? I mean, like even in I mean I, I like whenever you see like runners. After marathons, you always see them walking around wrapped in, like, metallic paper. Mm-hmm. I don't see how that keeps you warm, but I guess it does, you know? Even in Interstellar, when Matt Damon wakes up. That's it. Thank you. Mm. I knew I'd just seen something where people were wrapped in <laughs> aluminum foil, and I thought it was stupid. It's like, ha 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 Interstellar. But that's, I mean, I think that's a real thing, right? I mean, that, that metallic paper. Yeah, it, I paper. think it is. Yeah. I know a lot of runners, I'll ask them. Yeah. Yeah, just yesterday I went to see Interstellar with, uh, uh, they, they did a Q&A afterwards with an astronomer who studied uh, under Kip Thorne, like while oh, wow. they were making the movie and everything. And he's like, yeah, all this stuff is pretty much dead on, you know? <laughs> he's like, in order for them to, to, you know, for time to slow down as much as it does in the movie, that black hole would need to be a lot bigger. Based on my calculations. It's always good when you're talking to someone and they're like, based on my calculations, you know, and you're like, wow, he actually made like real calculations. (laughs) You know, when I say that, I'm talking about like, I divided this many pixels by this many pixels and based (laughs) on my calculations, it should be 2.38 to 1, you know. (laughs) But he's like a physicist talking about black holes and time variances and stuff. (laughs) So I'm assuming he would have complained about the uh, the metal uh, blanket if uh... if that was a problem. <laughs> yes, still the future. Yep. This is inappropriate for the bridge, it's Mr. Sulu. <laughs> Mr. Sulu. It is like one of those things where you know, I mean, it is kind of funny where she's like, "Hey." I know what to do, and now my job is done, so frack off. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to change my I'm mind. I'm out of here. <laughs> Again. Yep. She hit him with her ring hand, too. She's got a couple rings on that, yeah. that left hand. If I was Sulu, I'd be so confused. I'd be like, what is going yeah. on? I don't understand. And everyone else the best is just moment watching. of my life. Wait, no, this is the worst. <laughs> and everyone else is just watching. I mean... That's weird. But, okay. I read in the trivia on Memory Alpha that uh, this this is the only time that we see Uhura on a moving turbo lift. Really? <laughs> like, that's... I guess it's trivial. I don't know which is more impressive. The fact that that's true or the fact that someone knows that. <laughs> Because, you know, at some point someone was like, that's weird. I wonder if that's ever happened. 
Let me go back and watch the entire series and see if that's ever happened. Yeah. I'm sure that's the case. (laughs) Or it was Larry. Maybe Larry mentioned it once. Hmm. Larry Nemechek. I delayed too long a couple weeks ago pointing out which Larry we were talking about. No, it happens. And then when I was re-listening, I thought I was talking about Larry the Cable Guy. Really? No. That was your (laughs) (laughs) go-to? I just listened to another podcast about Larry the Cable Guy, so... I hear Jingle All the Way 2 starring Larry the Cable Guy is coming out on Blu-ray. Yeah, that came out... That's what I'm... Yeah, We Hate Movies actually did an episode on it the week after it came out. They usually have a 10-year rule. But they made an exception in this They made an exception for... Larry the Cable Guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, the the jig is up, huh? Spock caught him. Oh, nope. Stunt double time. I'm pretty sure that Spock stunt double doesn't even have a goatee. No, I think it looks like he does. Yeah, yeah, he's got one. It's even better to hide his face. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean from the high shot there the uh, Oh yeah, sick yeah he's got it Oh, he's got one it Looks more like a Klingon goatee though Yeah So Ow It's weird that Prime Universe Spock is like Obviously this is what's going on But Mirror Universe Spock is like uh, I need to do some you know, snooping around <laughs> first. But maybe well, that's Prime because Universe the other Spock ones has, were obvious. Yeah, and I guess it could be obvious, and he has more resources at his disposal. He can be like, let's check this scientifically. And everyone here is like, what's science? <laughs> science is for, for babies. <laughs> I like that Uhura went and found that skull. Yeah. And I really like the, uh, I like that McCoy, even, even evil Spock, he, he cares about Spock, all Spocks. Yep. Yep. Marlena's very confused. Yep. He's very much like our own Spock. <laughs> With a goatee. Uh-oh. Here comes Sulu. But the knives. The knives just aren't very effective. They seem more sinister than phasers, though. It is true. And it also is like... You know, why don't you just shoot him, Sulu? Well, now he's got to, you know, walk up to Kirk and stab him. Yeah. And Kirk can outrun a stabby Sulu. <laughs> oh. Can he? Bwong. Uh-oh. Bwong. I don't remember if that's the sound effect or not, but... It's close enough. Bwong. <laughs> <laughs> That is a very effective weapon. Mm-hmm. Seems like you got to be careful, though, with your targeting, you know? Yeah. I'd like to see how it targets and what it does. I mean, just, like, beam them out of existence or something? I mean, I guess that would make... Because a transporter, you know, takes apart all your atoms and scatters them across the universe. So imagine if you just beamed him out and never back in. Well, that original concept for um, the Mirror Universe episode where they were going to find a way to bring William Shatner into Enterprise was going to be that it uh, beams them to another dimension, to like a penal colony in another universe in, what it, in, in the past. So essentially it was dumping them all on like a planet in the prime universe back like in enterprise times 
And mm-hmm. the con- the concept for that episode was going to be, well, there were a few of them, but as I understand it, one of the concepts for that episode was going to be that um, Mirror Spock uses the device to get rid of Mirror Kirk. And Mirror Kirk ends up in the Prime Universe. Actually, it would be before Enterprise times because then he ages, oh. you know. And then the Enterprise... Archer's Enterprise comes flying by and finds them, and he's like, "Hey, hey, guys, hey, guys, can, dudes, can I get a hey. <laughs> can I get a ride?" And they're like, "Sure." And then he tries to take over the Enterprise. That's interesting. Yeah, the concept of sending people back in time like that is like the Weeping Angels in Doctor Who. Yeah, so. I totally agree. I have no idea what you're talking about. I know. It's an alien that feeds off of the life energy. It's interesting. They feed off the life energy of the life you would have lived by sending you back in time to die of old age before you even meet them. Hmm. And they can move. They can only move when you're not looking at them. It's kind of a weird... So that's that's the one with uh, Carrie Mulligan? Yes. Hmm. And you see that. And then they bring them back over and over again until they're not threatening at all. Kind of like the Borg. Mm, yeah. Don't let them touch you. And then it's just like, oh, they can touch you and we'll have conversations with them. And... <laughs> it's just as they were about to get out of here. Now there's no power. Someone's got to stay behind. How's that going to work? Aw. Scotty's willing to sacrifice himself for everybody. Calls him Jim for the first time. I'm surprised they couldn't let Marlena do it. Trust Marlena to do it, you know? Yeah. You'd think that she'd be like, yeah, you know. But she wants to go with them. I guess. Yeah. So I guess she'd refuse to operate it. Well, that doesn't make any sense. And Spock says, you know, to delay your beam out. He's like, you guys need to leave. Get out of here. <laughs> I like, I really like Kirk's speeches. His four speeches he gives Spock before he leaves here. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool about this speech, what I kind of love about it, is that you watch this episode and you're like, what he's saying makes sense, you know, and he's doing his best, <laughs> you know, um, to, you know, sort of like change things. It's like, like we were watching this last night and my wife's like, oh, look, he's trying to, talk another computer to death in a sense and it's like he he's saying like look logic suggests blah 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 we can turn this thing around we can make the mirror universe a better place and it's all good and you can do it you can do it (laughs) and then he's like you know we'll see maybe i will maybe i will Mm -hmm. and it's like that's a cool thing to end on and it's like hey look he changed things for the better yay Kirk? They didn't have to blow anything up. Yeah. And then you get to Deep Space Nine, and it's like, oh, Spock tried it. And he failed miserably he failed. and made everything bad. way worse than it was before. <laughs> I love that so much, you know? That's such a mirror universe thing to do. <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, like, when I saw that, you know, and that I remember watching that episode when it first aired, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Really? Spock broke it. <laughs> but that's just great. I mean, that sort of speaks to the brilliance of Deep Space Nine in a way. It's like, you, you didn't change anything about this episode. You didn't, you know, invalidate it or whatever. I mean, Kirk's points are good, you know, and he did, you know, do this. But... Yeah, the the mirror transporters are like blue and red and dark. Yeah, so it's not the the effect 
of how the, did uh, they know where are the other ones were they on the transporter pads how yeah. did they coordinate timing with spock well, because they're linked, you know? Okay. They're linked. we got to give the captain, like, you know, 16 hours to get this done. Okay, so Spock does does address how he figured it out so quickly. That it was easier yeah. for you guys to pretend to be barbarians than barbarians to pretend to be civilized. If I read my Spocks correctly... Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And now they're doing the, you know, whole, let's do, make fun do, of do, Spock. Do, do, do. Yeah. <laughs> the easy way his counterpart fit into this universe. Yeah. <laughs> and Spock, Spock shoots back. Yep, yep. He's good. They're splintered examples of Homo sapiens. It's a very flower of humanity. <laughs> and Kirk doesn't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> yeah. But everybody acts like she just arrived, or I guess they're just noticing her. Yeah. She was just a, an extra up until now. Now I need to watch... This is the the shot they use at the end of Trials and Tribulations. Yeah. And I just noticed in the background that Ahura's like yeah. in shock in the background. So now I need to watch that to be like, why no. why is she just like or maybe she's looking at Cisco because Cisco's an attractive individual. I guess maybe that's, that's how, how you write it off. I mean yeah, I mean that's the thing is now every time that I watch Trials and Tribulations, especially knowing where the scene came from, I can't help but read it as Kirk flirting with Cisco. Like I'm just assuming that's what's going on and I say that's canon. <laughs> and if Cisco would have stayed on that ship, Kirk would have tried to get with him. Okay. Cuz why wouldn't you? <laughs> the greatest power couple of all time. <laughs> Where's the slash slash fiction on that one? Come oh, on, I'm guys. Oh, I'm sure it's there. You know? What 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 uh, why why is Star Trek continues wasting their time doing you know mirror universe episodes when they could be doing, um, Kirk <laughs> Kirk uh, Cisco love Slash stories fiction. you know I'm, I would I'm watch not the sure. hell out of that <laughs> man well, so that's the end of the episode I guess We're yeah into the um, the stock. Stock mm-hmm. images not from the episode. Yeah. Good old Baylock. Yep. But he's cool. That's mirror mirror. Mm-hmm. Did anything change on your opinion of it? No, not really. Uh, you know, I've always loved this episode. This has always been one of my absolute favorites. I think, like, I was trying to think of why. You know, it just seems to make sense. Like, oh, of course this will be one of my favorites. Because, you know, I mean, like, even hearing the concept, it's just, there's something about, you know, variations and alternate realities. And it's like when you see the same characters week to week and they say, like, look, it could have been slightly different. What if they were all evil? And it's just like, well, what does that look like? And, you know, here we get to see what that looks like. And I've always found that to be a rather fascinating concept. So, yeah, I think it holds up for me as uh, one of my favorite episodes of all time. What What about you? I still really like it. I still have, uh, I still have my little problems with the, with the concept, but, I can get over that. I can I can see it for what it is, which is which is a good episode about morality and and the the nature of of evil and how we can maybe understand ourselves better by seeing evil versions of ourselves or evil versions of our friends. Yeah. And it's exciting, it's got action. Uh it's got, you know, time limits, it's got twists. It's, I mean, it's a really good episode. I really it's like it. It's got Spock with a goatee. It's got Spock with a goatee, and nothing can beat that. Nope. Well, it was fun talking about goateed Spocks today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek of Him this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. 
Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. And and so I was biased against it. it even when I started buying the, the two-disc collector's edition DVDs, I avoided buying any of the even-numbered movies. Odd-numbered Odd movies. Numbered movies. <laughs> Earl Grey. Like, uh, like they stated in the end of the movie, you know, they thought he'd outlive all of them. And I'm like, yeah, that's what should have happened. We should have seen Data, like, in the... You know, 26th century, like Data 5.0, whatever we call them. To the journey! You don't know if she's going to stab him or smooch him. She's going to smooch him, of course, after dessert. <laughs> after dessert. We all know what dessert means. Warp 5. Along with technology and along with trying to study the origins of a lot of different things that we've come to know in, in the original series and beyond, it's hard to try and deconstruct it without insulting what has come in all of the things that we know of being Vulcan Mind Melt. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. And my thought was in the next scene, Crusher should have the body of the dead Klingon sitting on the back of her toilet holding a candle. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which she would only get to do after Lieutenant Yara's gotten to hold the dead Klingon up to her ear to see if she can hear the ocean. Commentary, Trek stars. Everything you would imagine would be in an opening title sequence for this show is in there. I think the shot that really does it for me, the shot that really pulls everything together, is when he dunks the basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Melodic treks. So we do know an awful lot of people get associated with Vic Fontaine. He name drops to the nth degree about all the famous people that he engraved with. One of whom is Frank Sinatra. Axenar, the official podcast. When there's a possibility for something to be misunderstood or um, not clearly explained, it can potentially open up a big hole for a show because people can end up going down a path that was actually not what somebody wanted to be done. The 602 Club. What are those Bond movies that you go back to time and time again because they just do it better? Uh, First of all, Matthew, nobody does it better. That's true. Uh, it makes uh, me feel sad for the rest. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, the Windows podcast directory. You can stream directly from the website. Just visit Trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. Uh, if you want to contact us, tell us about your goatees. You can go to Trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the little button on the left-hand column to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? Uh, you can find me right here on Trek FM doing commentary Trek stars each week with uh, my co-hosts uh, John and Max. And you can also find me on CommentaryTrackStars.com, doing Commentary Trackstars Off-Topic with Max and Brandon. And you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E, and hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks and more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's Beard. Sorry, Spock's World. Audible has something for everyone. Was that intentional or not? I'm curious. It was intentional. All right, good job. (laughs) Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, I have Star Trek The Next Generation, The Dark Mirror. Dun, dun, dun. Actually, I think it should be Dark Mirror, but whatever. It was written by Diane Duane and narrated by John Delancey. 100 years ago, four crew members of the USS Enterprise crossed the dimensional barrier and found a mirror image of their own universe, populated by nightmare duplicates of their shipmates. Barely able to escape with their lives, they returned, thankful that the accident which had brought them there could not be duplicated. Or so they thought. But now, the scientists of that empire have found a doorway into our universe. Their plan is to destroy from within, to replace a Federation starship with one of their own. 
And you can get this book for free since you listen to Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. And lastly, there's another way you can keep us in orbit, and that's by supporting us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as an associate producer for our shows. You can find out by going to patreon.com slash trekfm where the donations can go, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for all of our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. Yeah, uh, did you have you read that that Dark Mirror? I don't think I have. I remember when it came out, but I ne- I never read it. Did you? I, I think I did, but I don't remember much about it. Yeah, but it was very uh, uh, telling of the future, you know, because in Deep Space Nine they do basically create a doorway to jump back and forth, and yeah, it becomes so normal that when your dead wife jumps over, you introduce her to your son <laughs> because that <laughs> won't mess him up. Yeah. It's not going to be traumatic or anything. Oh, sorry. I've got a problem with that. (laughs) Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit. Ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.